Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. Okay, this sounds so familiar. Okay, you ready? Listen to this. Welcome back, Dave, to the Blowing Point. Why does that sound so familiar? Why is that so familiar? I have no idea where you're going with this one. Well, it's because I'm always introducing it. Oh, I got you. Okay, because you because you're getting the guests, and we got well, this can, great guest coming up, and and you <laughs> you know you're, it, it would make most sense for you to to introduce, okay? And and then I I sit on your coattails and I just jump in where is where that I, a hint that you have to start going to conferences yes. and start meeting some kick ass yeah, people? Well, and I got to do a better job of inviting people to to come <laughs> meet us and, and hang out with us, like the next guest who I just met very briefly. For about 20 well, seconds. Well, you didn't even realize this, Dave, but uh, you're actually a subscriber to uh, to one of the businesses that, that Justin Perkins is involved with, which is Care2. That's right. And you, you've been getting their uh, their emails for quite some time, yeah? I have. Well, very cool. So I'm going to bring him in. Justin, welcome to The Boiling Point, and I want to introduce you to my good friend and co-host, Dave Vale, executive coach extraordinaire, and meet my friend, Justin. Welcome, Justin. Thanks, guys. Great to connect here. Uh, Justin, if you don't mind, I could do a, a fantastic introduction about uh, about uh, what you're doing and I who think, you're. I think we should let Greg do that fantastic <laughs> introduction. Let's hear it first, and Justin can tell you how fantastic. Well, I'll, I'll I'll tell you. <laughs> I, I don't want to waste people's time with my okay, voice. All right. Okay, I'm going to pass it over to you, Justin. G- give us the the Coles notes about Justin, about Care Two, and of course about the uh, w- one of the most unique nut companies uh, on the planet as well. <laughs> <laughs> Sure. Thanks for having me on. Um, so, yeah, I guess um, just kind of on personal front, I live in Boulder, Colorado. Um, we are known to be somewhat hippie, uh, and part of that comes with um, living in Boulder. I think nowadays you have to have a food company. It's sort of prerequisite. Um, and uh, you have to wear prana clothing and meditate. Um so that's you know that's all part of it. Um, nice. But I grew up here in Boulder, actually, uh, one of the rare natives, and uh, uh, boy, what a lucky place to grow up. Um, so, uh, long story short, I now work with two really great companies. Um, one is called Care Two, as you mentioned, and the other is Olomomo Nut Company, which is a project that I started on the side about eight years ago, and is now um, you know very very fortunate to be growing into a, a national. Um, nut snack brand that is, you know, on track to be in a lot of the natural grocery stores around the U.S. and I think we're about to distribute in Canada too. So, um, wow. how, how do you the, how do you spell oh, that, Justin? Just for the audience, how do you spell the the nut company? Olomomo. Yeah, I say Olo. You say Momo. O L O M O M O. Momo. Let's do that. I'll do the Olo part. Olo. Momo. Olo. Momo. Nice. <laughs> See, it was simple. We're we're we're, we, we're we're trained quite easily. Um. So so I well, where do we start? I mean, they're well, both really yeah. interesting. I mean, so yeah. tell. I mean, this whole. Uh, now, are you phoning us from from? Are we phoning you in Cal in Colorado right now? Yeah, I'm uh, back in Colorado right now, and I'm actually calling you from the Impact Hub in Boulder, um, which I suppose is no accident. Um, you know, everything is cosmic in Boulder, so this is all meant to be. 
Um, and so the Impact Hub is this awesome space where it's a, a collective of, I think there's one in Toronto too, or near Toronto. Yeah, um, Mar- Mars Discovery District, or, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so basically where a lot of mission-based brands and nonprofits, a lot of startups uh, tend to gather in a shared workspace. Pretty cool community here. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think one one of the things that we had we had talked a little bit about uh, when we met Greg was um, this whole this whole notion of what's happening culturally around um, this movement towards having brands in particular that are that are mission-based and have some sort of um, responsible stance that's baked into their brand or um, you know, some sort of mission that is behind the impetus, but, uh, you know, uh, they're not afraid to necessarily make money as, uh, as part of being a force for good. Um, so that's, that's been kind of a, an evolution in my experience in my career going back with, um, tier two and then actually creating, uh, Olomomo with, with that notion built in from the get go. Um, so both of those companies are actually, um, certified B corporations, which is, um, an interesting, interesting concept that's really evolved very quickly in the last couple of years, where it's sort of like the organic seal of approval um, that says, "Hey, these companies stand for good. They've they've cleared a bar of um, having certain uh, factors that really show this company is walking the talk." So it could be in terms of how the board is structured with. Um, you know, including females on the executive team. It could be around human rights uh, practices. It could be around uh, supply chain issues. It could be around giving back to the community. So a lot of different factors that are pretty flexible, and it's all based around an algorithm and a score. So both Care2 and Olamomo are certified B Corps. Um, uh, Care2 goes back about, well, actually to 1998 is when it started as one of the first social good websites and has now grown to be a 30 million member community. Um, just checked yesterday. We had 333 million signatures on the platform um, that increased to 334 million signatures in the last 24 hours. Um, so there's, <laughs> there's something really uh, magical happening now that we've hit this massive tipping point for um, mobilizing individuals to do good collectively and um, we're now behind a lot of movements that are building across the internet um, which is pretty cool but you know human rights stuff and um, anti-slavery anti-trafficking campaigns like walk free and uh, you know working with Sierra Club and doing massive scale mobilization and um, you know, the global citizen movement, which is uh, trying to end poverty. So really fun space to be in. Um, and it all goes back for me to uh, a trip to Guatemala when I was about 13 and uh, initially escaped the Boulder bubble um, where, boy, I had no luck, no idea how lucky I was to grow up in such a an amazing community in Boulder where it's, you know, connection to nature and, um, you know, really well-educated population and and access to so much um and then uh my my dad and my older brother took me to belize and guatemala when i was about 13 and and boy did that that bubble pop pretty quickly when i um saw how the rest of the world lives and so from that moment it was kind of search of um what does it all mean and uh that led me on to some really interesting journeys to um to Brazil in college where I lived and studied international development and culture and 
um, you know, was exposed to just a huge variety of um, political and and sort of progressive organizing movements in Brazil, and um, and then kind of kept that exploration going and ended up living in South Africa for several months and um, met a really amazing person, uh, a guy named Marius Billy, um, or sometimes it's Billy Marius, depending on uh, um, uh, who you're talking to. But he's this magical guy who I met in Cape Town. I was walking out of a guitar store and, um, you know, the, he approaches me and says, excuse me, sir, are you looking for a guitar teacher? And, uh, it was this uh, just incredible journey that started from that moment, um, to, uh, meeting him the next day in a public square. And he, he borrows my guitar and busts out the most heartfelt rendition of we are the world that you've ever heard. <laughs> Probably wow. the cheesiest song in the world, um, That's done awesome. right. And, That's uh, awesome. Yeah, I, I actually have a, a, a mini disc recording of that. I'll shoot you guys. Maybe you can actually edit it in a little. little well, do what, we, it, we, but, we, uh, we will, and we'll, we can put it in the show notes as well. Yeah, it's uh, pretty incredible. And so, you know, from that moment on, I was, I was like, "Wow, who is this guy?" Um, you know, you meet a lot of uh, a lot of people who want uh, to take things from you as a Westerner when you're when you're traveling in Africa. So. Over a period of four months, we developed this really amazing friendship and uh, played music together. And um, it turns out that, um, you know, all he owned at that moment was a backpack full of undeveloped film and video uh, that he had collected from this this independent project he did in the heart of Congo, Brazzaville, so the one on the left um, that was owned by the French back when. Um, and he was on this mission to find the roots of the blues and that led him to pygmies. Um, and he'd grown up in this, this, this missionary village in the heart of Congo and, uh, his father was a teacher. And, and so he was very fortunate to have gotten a university education. Um, but as a musician, he had this hunger to find the roots of the blues and through that just ended up on this ethnomusicology journey that, uh, ended up, um, you know, into these crazy situations. There were two civil wars involved. He was uh, basically attacked by some vagrants, um, you know, almost lost his life, um, managed to uh, salvage all this footage he had of, of, of music of these pygmies in the, in the wilderness areas, um, and eventually organized this event in a cultural center in um, Point Noir, one of the main main cities in Congo Brazzaville, and um, brought pygmies for the first time to play music in in front of a uh, largely Bantu audience. And so the backdrop here is that pygmies are essentially indentured servants to the Bantu because of land issues and encroachment on um, you know the the environments where they grow up and their hunting grounds and things like that. So. Um, Long story short, Billy made a promise to a pygmy elder that he would help to kind of preserve their culture, which was, you know, being risked and, and threatened by uh, deforestation and um, this indentured servitude issue and, you know, the younger generations not learning the hunting practices and anything about the culture, word of mouth, passed down. Um, so off I jumped into this journey as a, you know, a 20-something and and I said, okay, very naively, we're going to start a nonprofit. <laughs> uh, and um, so this this crazy journey unfolded where we launched a, uh, a, a artist residency nonprofit from uh, internet cafes in Cape Town back in 2001. Um, 
and created this pilot project where we bought we brought a uh, a German writer to the Congo to um do this artist artist residency program and and Billy um shepherded him around the country and the guy wrote a book about the experience. We took that pilot project and applied for a grant from UNESCO which which got Billy to Sweden uh ultimately or he was able to um become a global citizen and and achieve refugee status and uh 10 years later he just won an award for his human rights work from uh Princeton University um he's connected pygmies with the indigenous group called the Sami in northern Sweden um live via satellite um he'll take groups down to Congo on tours um so it was just this really amazing <laughs> amazing, crazy experience that I had no idea what I was getting into. And that was the tipping point for me to say, Hey, okay, wow. Um, I felt really good. Let's do more of that. And Hey, let's figure out a way to make money while we're doing it. So we can actually, you know, um, make a living versus giving my entire life savings away. (laughs) Um, so, um, you know, long story short, that kind of was set the backdrop for, um, when I connected with care Two. um, after some other kind of crazy twists and turns, including a, a stint at the Department of Defense, um, which was pretty whack, um, but also an awesome experience that led me into internet technology. So then um, Care 2 came along right at the right at the right moment when my bank account was completely empty, <laughs> and uh, I was married, you know, living in Washington D.C. And uh, ten years later, um, I've been part of one of the most fascinating phenomenons on the internet, you know, from going from pre-social media to, um, you know, now uh, right in the thick of it and mass mobilization of millions of people towards, um, towards good causes. So uh, I'll take, I'll take a breath there because I'm. um, That was awesome, man. (laughs) Seriously, hearing people tell that it's a founder story, you know, whether the founder of a company or not, the story of how you like what were what were looking backwards? What were those steps that brought you to the boiling point today, essentially? And I love your story, Justin. It's uh, it's one that many many of us can relate to. Like I've I've got a similarly bizarre globe trotting story that got me here as well. And uh, it's uh, it, it's really special to hear these stories to to say well, how did Justin get you know get a heart for. Uh, for justice and going into companies like uh, like like the two that you're involved with, can you tell us a little bit about more about Care Two for those who have never been on the platform? How does it work when you're talking about mobilizing 30 million people? Sure. Yeah. So one of the key key factors there is um, Care Two launched the first petition site back in early 2000 as a way to harness that uh, that energy where people were passing around chain mail of you know uh, sort of chain chain email petitions, a lot of them were actually, you know, not true. And so one of the things our founder was trying to do, a guy named Randy Painter, who started Care2, um, he really wanted to say, let's put, let's make this real. Let's make this action mean something. Let's organize it in a way that people can publicly sign petitions. And let's figure out how we can actually do something real with those and deliver those to um, decision makers or uh, corporations that were misbehaving or um, to, you know, individual politicians that we want to call out and, and, and move to, to actually change policy. So, um, so he organized the petition site.com, which is kind of a sub channel of care too. Um, and that's really the, probably the forefront uh, the driving factor of our growth and mobilization of millions of people at this point. 
Um, part and parcel with that has been this notion that we're not just a technology platform, but we've actually mobilized a community of people uh, around around the principle of doing good. And so that's really the key mission is to to it's you know millions of drops of water add up to uh, to a tidal wave of force that is changing things every every week. There is some sort of citizen action that we're helping uh, to make a difference on, whether it's calling out the Bill Cosby scenario. You know, I've got to love Bill, but um, I've got you know kind of a, a one de- one degree connection to one of the women who is affected by his bad behavior, and so we organized a protest. Um, outside of one of his uh, performances where we got some pretty mainstream press behind it and tens of thousands of signatures saying, hey, let's let's call out these uh, bad behaviors that, you know, people like Bill Cosby should not be doing and let's support the women who were affected by that. Um, to, you know, mass mobilizations of global movements like Walk Free, that is taking serious strides to call out corporations who are, um, have supp- have slave labor in their supply chain, or to backing campaigns with Greenpeace that are um, trying to you know change change on a systemic level the the energy system and saying hey enough is enough let's let's really invest in alternative clean energy and stop poisoning the environment and and killing animals through uh, and and ruining indigenous communities through you know uh, oil drilling so. Um, the, you know, we work on every issue under the sun these days and have the capacity now to drive hundreds of thousands of engagements on any issue. And that's um, really benefiting mission-based businesses who um, are looking to mobilize a community of people that care and share values. And it's it's benefiting uh, nonprofits that um, need to connect with activists and donors. So that's sort of the the business model we've evolved as a as a for-profit mission-based B Corp is to um, help organizations, brands, and nonprofits mobilize tens of thousands of people and build community for them. So that model is starting to prove out um, at a very large scale, where we can you know recruit 100,000 people a month for for some organization. So pretty pretty amazing ecosystem and sandbox that we have to play with here. And if 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 someone listening is not one of the 30 million, how do they learn more about Care2? Yeah, it's just uh care2.com and there, you know, are care, multiple and the, num- the number 2, know, right? Path, yeah. Care the number 2, yeah. And then uh and that, you know, that 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 brand came out of the idea that back when it was started I think a lot of people are pretty apathetic back in the you know late 90s, early 2000s. Um, there was a lot of uncertainty with, with 9/11, so this was uh, an organizing uh, a way to organize people that did care and start to uh, put an end to some of the apathy and make the news actionable versus passive. Um, and now that's really panning out at scale where we've got this pretty robust news site that is organizing people around uh, both causes, which is more of kind of the we mentality, and healthy living. We feel like that's a really important part of the equation is that as individuals, individual beings, we need to be um, healthy to be able to then uh, create a healthy society. So it's kind of the me and the we, and we we scratch both itches for um, the needs of people to find meaning and healthy living tips and, and concepts and resources as well as collective well-being. Me and the we. Hey, I was just reflecting on your story, Justin. I was just thinking about um, 
and and I you know I guess you know how you made you know you're describing um, Guatemala and and then you know you know traveling abroad and being in Cape Town and meeting this guy and I'm just and I was just listening to you I'm just thinking it's kind of interesting how it's almost like things started to happen and you just kind of used your intuition to decide how to make you know to learn more I mean tell me about your just you know your natural curiosity and people and what that may have done for you in terms of getting you to where you are now because it doesn't sound like a straight line yeah very very much not a straight line one of my favorite books as a kid were you know the choose your own adventure series where yeah, yeah. you could sort of my son loves make them. decisions yeah. and they would yeah. yeah um and that just ended up being i guess that's just how i was wired so and, and part of that came with um growing up as somewhat of an outsider just with a a family that was, you know, had a had a particular religious focus, and so it was it was pretty unique and alternative. So I think I grew up as a very observant outsider, um, and that that drew me to the unusual, the outsider, the misfit. And so um, that was kind of a you know just a cultural backdrop. So I was always really curious about other cultures, particularly after that trip to Guatemala, and then ultimately when I went to college, um, I basically chose my courses at this liberal arts school uh, based on who the teacher was and how cool they were. <laughs> and that ended up actually being all the visiting professors. Um, and then uh, had a very international focus. So studying things like world music and uh, that's where I got introduced to pygmy music, ironically. Um, and then, uh, you know, looking at history and looking at international involvement issues. And so basically ended up just, I didn't know it at the time, but it was, uh, brilliant training for being an entrepreneur and just finding ways to make connections with totally unconnected things and kind of see around corners and and um, just followed that curiosity. And I got to my senior year with one quarter left and I didn't have a major. So basically just created a matrix and then backfilled and said, okay, that the history major has the least amount of requirements. <laughs> so um, a true entrepreneurial so, decision. So, uh, ended up just with a, you know, completely Montessori, uh, college education. Um, and now my, now my, both my two little, little daughters go to Montessori school. Um, and yeah, that, that's kind of the, the training I had that then, um, you know, led me to say, oh, well I can do things just if I need to, I just need to learn the basics quickly and then be able to organize people. So that's been, um, yeah, you know, everything's kind of been improvised since then. And, and, and my training as a musician was, was all about just, you know, being able to listen to other people, assess the situation and find where the pockets were in, you know, in playing jazz, for example. So, um, so those were kind of the metaphors, you know, metaphors for, for my life experiences then, um, you know, just kind of paying attention to what, what, where the opportunities are. And then, um, leveraging the resources at hand to creatively put those things together and solve problems. Well, it sounds very much, uh, Justin, like uh, you know, that your college nickname as Che made a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, just... just <laughs> um, no, I pulled it out. <laughs> that, 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 yeah, it was pretty... So after coming back from, from Africa and trying to start this nonprofit, I said, I better get an MBA. And, uh, so I very, very last minute signed up for an MBA program and it was an 11 month program in, uh, the university of Colorado in Denver. 
Um, and this is before we were, we were talking about this yesterday. There was, this is before there were, you know, any sort of green MBAs or net impact or sort of this notion of business being responsible. So this is circa 2003. And so I, I earned that nickname by asking some ridiculous questions in courses with, you know, like marketing professors. And I said, well, what if, what if we took, you know, one or 5% of all of the revenue earned for professional baseball and, and did poverty. <laughs> and so that kind of got me laughed out of the room at that point. Denver's kind of, you know, very, very hardcore baseball town. Um, and then, uh, you know, we, we had some other course, uh, other um, presentations we had to do. One of them was this legal ethics class. And we looked at the situation where I think it was Shell Oil was um, drilling and, you know, destroying indigenous communities in Nigeria, situation still going on, um, and in South America. So um, somehow I convinced my team to do a, you know, spoofy kind of um, jam session as our presentation instead of a PowerPoint. And so we we did a rendition of U two's um, "All I Need Is You," but it was "All I Want Is Oil." Nice. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, as a as the as the the Boulder representative, they call it the People's Republic of Boulder when you go to Denver. So that became my nickname. They called me Che. Well, listen, uh, you you have done the most amazing job uh, attracting me. You are the tourist tourism commercial to me right now for Boulder, and I am coming to visit you, man. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, Justin, yeah, we, we, we are now at the, at the end of our half hour. Thank you so much for spending the time and a true uh, inspiration. Uh, once again, why don't you uh, just let our listening audience know the best way to get in touch with you at uh, Olomomo and at Care2. Uh, just a couple feeds for them to, to stay in touch. Yeah, I appreciate that, you guys. Thanks for having me on. Um, I'm easy to get a hold up on email, either at uh, justin at care2team.com or... Justin at olomomo.com. O-L-O-M-O-M-O. Thanks very much, you guys. Thanks a lot, Justin. Have a great one, man. Yeah, great meeting, man. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Take care. You too. So my takeaway, without much uh, uh, space there, like last our last interview, um, Man, he, you know, it's just, it just, it's actually kind of, I'm just processing. There's a lot of information he just threw out. Oh, us, you know, right? it's amazing. I loved it. Like the guy, and, and, uh, and I just, uh, and I, the question I had, because I, and I would like to, you know, be nice to sit with him over a beer or a coffee and, and chat more. But it's just, it's just so interesting to hear his, just his level of curiosity about the world and about how things happen. And, um, and it just sounds like he's got so much to share, right? You know what I mean? Like he, that's my, actually, that's what I took away is, is here's a guy just busting at the seams, you know, just want, and, and, you know, and clearly want having a, uh, wanting to do good. Um, I, I would, I'm, you know, I don't, we don't have enough time, but I'm curious about, you know, his upbringing and, you know, he, he meant, I kind of, was, I was wondering, you know, kind of there's, there's some belief system behind this. Uh, it sounds like, you know, some yeah. organized belief system. So I was just kind of curious about that. And so, so I, to be honest, what, I, what I'm leaving with is more questions. Yeah. Okay, well, I, I, that's, I love it when our podcast guests can do that for us because you know, we're going to continue having conversations with Justin. <laughs> yeah, know, oh yeah. Like, uh, yeah, yeah it definitely, uh, a guy to follow. So uh, I'm I'm really happy to have had him on. I met him in person, in San Diego last so, week. And I'm, I was just doing the math. So he's like mid 30s, kind of thing, or how old? I'm not too sure. Is it probably somewhere in that area? Okay. Uh, 
Uh, maybe I could be really complimentary it, and say twenty two or something. Yeah, no, I, no, but there's there's a there's a youthful uh, energy bonus. Yeah, as well. yeah, yeah, completely. Uh, right, well, uh, I, I would say um, for me, the takeaway is the adventurer and the entrepreneur and the artist are all the same type of person, mm-hmm. and he's all three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I, I I can relate to that, and mm-hmm. it, it's great. It's always high energy to meet other people like that. Yeah. So uh, so, you're, just, so yeah. you're just flying, man. You're just I'm flying, like, baby. This is your people. This is my people. I well, it's your it. people too, Dave. Yeah. You're no, just... no, I know. I just, but I don't surf yet. Well, you don't have to surf to have people. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. <laughs> Dave, we'll see you next week, buddy. Well, no, but this is our acknowledgement portion. So I want to acknowledge you about some other stuff. Can I do that really quickly? Yeah, of course we can, Dave. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're one minute late for the next the next interview. So okay, I'll save it. <laughs> we'll save it for next week. <laughs> All right. Love you, man. Right. And I really mean that. Yeah. Me too. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com. And on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit Hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling. Hey listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster. And not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100%. Because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. <laughs>